Hi, I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So that you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. We celebrate real stories by real women in the hope that you will share your story too. I'm Melissa, and when I was in the first grade, I got in trouble for talking, and the teacher made me wear a mask (gasps) over my face with a big tongue, and it said something embarrassing like, I can't stop talking. Something that would never fly today. Never happened today. I got shamed. That's a shame monger in school. Yeah, so Miss Stone, (gasps) I have been talking for a living, so thank you very much. What Oh, it's true. Dagger. Yeah, it's awful. I'm Jen Hobby, and I forget to finish my sentences with the last two words, just like my mother does. <laughs> so instead, I'll use words like thingy or whatchamacallit. <laughs> whatchamacallit is the ultimate old person word. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? Honey, over there, can you go get me the, um, you know, the thingy, the, the whatchamacallit, the, th- the, oh, the, 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 no. I can't find the last word. I can't, I am so my mother. That is hilarious. <laughs> and do you get mad about it when you're done? Like, I can't believe like, it. Oh, I really need to find those last couple of words of the sentence. That is hilarious. All right. Well, coming up on today's episode, you're going to hear our extraordinary stories of how mothers move mountains. Yes. Mother's Day was yesterday, and we've got some reflections and stories for you about our mothers, their mothers, and our own roles as mothers. That's right. Plus, we both have a pep talk that will relieve you of your mom guilt because we're going to do a back then versus now. How it was? What is it on uh, on social media? It's like how it was and how it's going or something. So we're going to talk started. How, how it started. Going. How it's going. That's exactly right. Because we're going to talk <laughs> about your childhood as opposed to how you mother, and it's going to be pretty hilarious. And let you let go of that guilt, right? Yeah, like, yes, that's y'all, yes. y'all. We got it way harder. Way harder. We yes, as, harder a, as a kid, yes, we survived a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We want to ask you, have you subscribed to the Frenzy Podcast yet? Why not? It's totally free. Uh, if you have already subscribed, thank you so much. And we want to know, could you share and tell a friend about the Frenzy? We would appreciate it so much. It allows us to get in front of more women because we want more women to hear these real stories connecting real women. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, we're going to share some of our own stories here coming up in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsor. Cancer sucks. And finding out your best friend, your coworker, or your family member has cancer sucks even more. You start to think, what can I do to help? Well, the answer is Kick It Pajamas. Designed by cancer survivors and caretakers, Kick It Pajamas is clothing for those undergoing cancer treatment, either in the hospital or in chemotherapy. Their pajamas and clothing are stylish and comfortable and functional for IV lines and other medical treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com to stylishly dress your loved one for their battle. With every purchase, a portion of proceeds goes to supporting cancer research and support groups. Kickitpajamas.com and use the discount code Frenzy, F-R-I-E-N-D-Z-Y, to get 10% off your order. That's kickitpajamas.com, discount code Frenzy. Let's kick cancer off the planet. All right, if you get your Kick It Pajamas, then make sure you use the code Frenzy for a 10% discount. That's exactly right, exactly right. Um, If you're watching The Frenzy on YouTube, and if you're not, you can always go to YouTube and you can search The Frenzy, but I want to explain on as before we get into our mother's stories or this is kind of a mother story 
But so this is the first year that for Mother's Day, I have a tissue ready, Jen. I have a tissue ready. But this is the first Mother's Day I don't have Millie Pete. And so for our Mother's Day episode, I wore, let's see if I can do it, Eastern Kentucky Colonels. So that's where my mom went to college. We were a big college family, everybody competitive about colleges. She went to Eastern Kentucky, University of Richmond, Kentucky, near UK. My father went to UK. And so I wore this today. And the the reason this t-shirt is special and I have it is because mom passed away last year, not from COVID. I don't know why. Again, I always have to give that disclaimer, but because she passed of old age. So she was 91 years old. Um, But we have yet to have a funeral for because it's in the middle of the pandemic. And so I bought this shirt because I'm like, this is what I'm going to wear to her funeral. And so, I mean, I'll have a, I'll, you know, dress it up with a, a black jacket and black slacks. But I'm like, you know, she was so proud to go to Eastern Kentucky University that I have this t-shirt on today. And then the other thing I have on is a paper white rose that I drew and cut out quickly from my son's uh, art supplies because I, there wasn't a, I couldn't find a white rose yesterday, but in my church growing up on mother's day, everybody wore roses on their lapels and it was a red rose. If your mother was still living and it was a white rose if your mother was not living. And I remember that my father, my grandmother passed away before I was born. So my father always had to wear a white rose. And I remember how sad I felt for him and dreaded that. Mm. And so this is the first year that I would wear a white rose if I was still there. So the white rose is in honor of her as well. So what we're starting off, starting off crying. But I, if you're watching on YouTube, I wanted to explain. Uh, it, it literally is a paper rose that I taped to my shirt. Um, but because I'm not out and about and going to florist yet, but it just, I, it's just one of those things that I remember from childhood for Mother's Day is the church service on Mother's Day. And everybody, and I would, as a kid, I would look around and, and mm. look at the symbol and I could tell who still had their moms and who didn't have their moms. So it was one of those childhood memories that, um, you stuck with me. So I'm honoring that's her. Beautiful. That and that's why those kind of traditions are so special. Cause mm-hmm. that's something that you have lived with your whole life, knowing that that was how everybody honored their moms and, oh, so beautiful. Yeah. So oh, anyway, I wanted sweet. to, I wanted to start, you know, jump off talking. Yes. About and, well, I want to talk about how mothers move mountains. And I specifically want to talk first about Millie Pete. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you about a favorite moment you can remember with your mom. Mm-hmm. And why that time was so special? Well, I it's a it's going to be an odd. I mean, there's so many special moments of with my course. mother. I know uh, that's it's hard to narrow down. <laughs> but I'll tell you one that was really memorable. That was uh, enlightening, an enlightening moment with my mother. So we, uh, I was with Katie Joe at the time, um, and it was during the time we were on the morning show we were on, and we went to Gatlinburg. <laughs> And um, we decided to take my mother. My brother was there as well. So the four of us were spending a weekend in Gatlinburg. And it was fun to have the four. It was my, my mother loved Katie Joe, And Katie Joe loved my mother. So it was nice. You know, again, my mother's very accepting of who I was and always has been. And so we were on this trip. And somehow we got in the conversation of Walt Disney World. And I had gone when I was seven with my whole family. And I... Somehow in the conversation, my mother revealed that, well, you realize that uh, I'm the one that paid for that trip. And I was like, no, I don't I don't know the story behind that. So apparently Walt Disney World had just opened a few years before we went and my father didn't want to take the family. For some reason, my father didn't want to spend the money on it. 
And specifically for me, my mother, because she had grown up with her generation was actually the first Disney kids. And Mm -hmm. so she'd grown up with Disney and Mickey Mouse. And she wanted to take her children, especially her youngest child, to Disney World. And so I remember as a kid, my mother, who had retired from teaching at that time, getting a job at the Belk store in town. And she was, you know, and I just remember it being because she was bored and wanted to do something. But I learned on that trip to Gatlinburg that it was because she was saving up money to take me to Disney World. And so she told me that story. And um, I just remember thinking the sacrifice she made. Her mm-hmm. husband didn't want to pay for it. She didn't have a full-time job. And so here's a, a, a retired woman who did that specifically to take us to the park. And I just, I just, I was shocked because I didn't know that. And I was so mm-hmm. grateful that she shared that story with me. So that I could fully appreciate what already was a wonderful trip that's one of my favorite memories. But the fact that she worked and sacrificed to make sure that that happened was something that, um, yeah. So when, when you say. you, you made, know, It made you appreciate it in a whole new light. Yes. Like all of a sudden these years later, the story gets more color and it has another chapter to it. And you're like, wow, not only did I love that trip now. I get that trip and right. what it meant to her. Right. Think about that too. All those hours that she put in at Belk working and saving up and all that time and, and all that planning. And you do retail and dealing with customers and, yeah. you know, and being on your feet all day. And-, and then to think about all those conversations with your dad that happened behind the scenes where he was like, I don't want to spend the money on it. That's a ripoff or whatever he thought, like, right. you know, for whatever reason, he didn't want to go or spend the money on it. And then probably going head to head over whether exactly. they were going to go or not. And she's like, well, you know what? It means so much to me. I'm, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. So it, oh, wow. So that's yeah. amazing. So that is, you know, there's so many memories, but that's the one that I was like, it just like, whoa, I was, I was shocked. So what is your favorite moment that you can remember with your mom? So many, like you said, um, my mom, Nancy is now a best friend and Um, She always has been. I just haven't always been that best friend back to her. I was thinking of a couple of different memories. The first is a car conversation. And I will say to all the moms, and I'm going to do this as a mom when my kids become teenagers, put them in the car and just drive somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Turn the radio off, turn your podcasts off, turn all the screens off and just talk because it was like the little confessional. My mom would put me in the car and I'd just tell her all kinds of things. (laughs) Okay. So um, there were a couple car conversations that I remember. And one of them was when I revealed to her that I had first had sex. Whoa. And I remember being so scared to disappoint my parents. I think I lived a lot of my life afraid I was going to somehow disappoint them. And when I finally revealed to her and told her the truth about what I had experienced, she was so empathetic and compassionate. And it was the opposite reaction. Now I'm going to cry of what I had expected. You know, I had expected to get in trouble for that. I had expected to disappoint her. And she was so loving and embraced me and said, it's time to go to the doctor. (laughs) You know, I mean, she was very much like the, you know, let's talk about it. And we did. And she just was so warm and it it was one of those, we're going to cry through this whole episode, (laughs) aren't we? My (laughs) Lord. But 
it's just like her um, ability to be compassionate in that moment of vulnerability really helped me be who I am, which is a more empathetic, vulnerable, sensitive person. I think had she handled that conversation in any other way, or had I gotten in trouble, that could have like locked me away yeah. forever. I th- Do you I, know what I mean? Yes, it's like, because whoa. I can imagine the stress in the sitting in the, like I'm, I'm empathizing with that stress sitting in that seat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important point for every mother out there to understand. And you said this so brilliantly in another show about how the mothers are the emotional leaders, leaders. of their families. Yes. And so here she is being empathetic and being the emotional leader of that family. And, you know, one of the things I say to Mr. Carter, because I, I'm a girl and, and I don't know, and I don't, haven't dated boys and I, my brother was older than me. So I didn't see him go from mm-hmm. childhood into teenage years. So I don't know what to expect. I know that they usually become very closed and don't talk very much. And, but I've, I've tried to plant the seed with my son that if you tell me the truth, you won't get in trouble. And mm-hmm. it's for that story that you just told. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it because I could care less what he gets in trouble for at six years old. I mean, I do, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm saying those words because I want him to be able to tell me at 16. I'd rather him at least come to me for something, whether it's drugs or sex or whatever the issues will be in 10 years and get advice from me rather than get advice from another 16 year old boy. So I appreciate that story because I'm trying to, I'm trying to let my son understand that there are some things you won't get in trouble for. And like you said, I don't want you, I don't want him to obsess with, am I going to, is, is mom not going to love me anymore? Cause I also right. said that to him a lot is there's nothing, absolutely right. nothing you could do that would keep me from loving you. Right. So, you know, because coming out as gay and you talking about sex for the first time as a girl, because, you know, boys have this, oh, you know, yeah, you're a man now. Where a girl, it's like, oh, you're a slut, you're a whore because you had sex. Like, there's so many things revolving, usually right. about sex. So much judgment so around stress- it. Yes, yes, it's so stressful. And to be able to have your parent, your source, love you, mm-hmm. like you said, is so impactful. So, yeah, I think parents should really... St- choose the battle of what you're going to let your children get in trouble for. Right. You know? And it was, yeah, it was one of those conversations that really was shaping for Mm -hmm. who I am. And I'm so grateful to her and how she handled it in the moment. And I will say those car confessionals, I use it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? Because you're not facing each other, right? It's not an intimidating thing. Like you're, you're looking forward, just the position of sitting in the car, you're looking forward. She's looking forward, but you can have conversation and you're not having to look each other in the eye because I might have right. chickened out on telling her, but I didn't chicken out. I told her and the way that it went was awesome. Other car conversations of us, you know, driving to go shop for my first suit because I was going through sorority rush at college mm-hmm. and we took a special trip up all the way up to Atlanta from Florida to go and go shopping. Fancy. Yeah, a lot of those conversations in the car are some of my most favorite memories with Nancy. Oh, love you, mom. Love Nan. She's awesome. I know. She is the best. Now, speaking of Nan, uh, how do you understand your mom better now than that you are a mother? Because that that's something that mothers always, oh, you just wait to your mom. And now you're a mom. Yes, exactly. So I think 
what I understand about my mom more now that I am a mother. And this has just come in the last year during the pandemic and just the stressful time that it was for my family now with my husband's job as a school superintendent. It was an incredibly difficult pressure cooker time um, and still having, you know, two small kids at home and all the things. I look back on the way my mother smoothed things over. Now, my mm-hmm. mom is a middle child, right? So that's the peacekeeper in the family, yeah. the birth order, right? So she's going to come by that naturally. But she also smoothed things over a lot in our family growing up, whether that was me being a bratty teenager or my brother always forgetting to put his napkin in his lap and my dad getting mad about the manners or, you know, I mean, my dad was much more of the disciplinarian and he led in the way I'm sure his family led or he saw his father lead. Um, and he parented in a more disciplinarian way. And because that caused conflict and my mom's the peacekeeper and uncomfortable with conflict, she spent a lot of time smoothing things over. And in some ways, I'm embarrassed to admit it. I saw that as a weakness for a long time. And I thought, why doesn't she stand up for what's right? You know, this isn't right, or I'm right, or Matt's right, or dad's right, or you're right, and he's wrong. And what I know now, after now 10 years in a successful marriage, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another show for the, <laughs> that's right. We're, we'll talk about right, that. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in my marriage with Grant, what I have learned is that it's not about who's right and wrong. And it is about caring for one another and loving each other through it, whatever it is that you've got to go through. And now I can look back on those moments with my family that my mom smoothed things over and see it as a strength because she knew all the things that were going on behind the scenes that me as a kid, I couldn't have known. Right. Right. And that's, and I compare myself to that. Now I can see my husband's stress. I can see what's going on in the world. I can see the 30,000 foot view that my kids can't see. Right. And I have spent some time in the last year loving us all through it, having more patience than I thought I ever could because of my mom. So when I look back on my mom smoothing things over, she gave us a happy home with a strength of foundation and a strength of being able to take that foundation for granted. It's like my parents' Mm -hmm. marriage was strong. She kept the family together. She kept us positive and happy. She didn't dwell on the little things. She didn't have to be right. She had to have her family stay together and be happy. And it's like a house. It's like a house. You don't think about your foundation. You don't think about redecorating your foundation, but it's there constantly, consistently to hold the house up. Yes. And so I see that so differently now as an adult and as a mother than I did as a kid. So I think her ability to let things go, you know, it conflict and stuff just rolls off her. She doesn't hold on to things. She's not a, um, what's the word for it? Like somebody who just like holds on to every argument you've ever had. And then well, when you a get, grudge. she doesn't hold she's a not a grudge holder. She yeah. lets it go. She's a very forgiving woman. And, um, I see that as such a strength now than when I was a younger woman. Yeah. So no, I get that a lot. And how about you now that you are a mom, how do you understand your mom better? I think that, uh, paying attention to your child for who they are. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think my mother held a lot of mom guilt with my first, 
her first two children, my two siblings, because my two siblings are like a decade older than I am. I was the oops baby, the blessing that they would say. They always hated me saying the oops. No, they didn't expect me. I was oops. Uh, I think she even laughed at the, cause she had me at 41. Then I beat her cause I had my son at 44, but she had me at 41. And so she, and this is back in 1970. So nobody, you know, it, it, she was not the norm where now I'm, I'm not odd out. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, that was really late back in yes. the day that you were born. Yeah. Yes. And so she had two children already who were, you know, much older and laughed at the, in the doctor's face, I think. But I think she held a lot of mom guilt for those two children um because i think there's a there was a perfectionism in her but there was also this artistic you know free spirit that i think she always tried to contain and so there was a lot of conflict there's i i just sensed a lot of inner conflict in my mother and i think that my humor even though my father's very was a very funny guy so i it was the combination of the two of them the mimicking of my father's personality very joyful, boisterous, funny guy and wanting my mom to be happy. Mm. And so I always tried to make her laugh because I could tell that she was unhappy sometimes with that mom guilt. But mm. I think what I learned from her was the fact that she decided she was going to do things differently with me. Mm. And she retired from teaching early so that she could raise me as a stay at home mom. Cause she didn't do that with her first two children. And, and I think what I learned from her is that she just paid attention to me. Like she had, I think, tried to come down really hard on her older, and this may be something that every baby experiences, um, in the family. But for me, it was extreme where it was, I want to try to do this differently. I want to, I want to not come down so hard on her and I want to pay attention to what she's interested in and not force things on her. And, you know, isn't it great to be over 40? It's I fantastic. Love it. and I, I love even, it. <laughs> and I don't even know, I don't even know if she, she was able to get to the point of being as confident as we are, right? Mm -hmm. Cause we're, we have more freedom to be badass older women where she was just, I think just following her gut and doing whatever she thought was made her happy. I think she got tired of not being happy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, uh, I'm grateful to have had a hand in that. Okay. Another question for you yes, yes. about how mothers move mountains. How, um, did your grandmother shape your story and was your grandmother's, I guess, grandmother or grandmothers shaping your story through your parents or did they shape your story directly? It was through my parents because my father's mother was already gone by the time mm -hmm. I was born, like I mentioned. And my mother's relationship with her mother was more strained than her relationship with her father. So um, I did not have much influence of grandparents um, because my parents moved away from their families to pursue their dreams. So the answer to the question is. My parents, who again were born in 1927 and 1929, uh, came from conservative backgrounds in Kentucky. Farm, you know, both came from farm land, and my mother's uh, father owned a general store. I always think of him as like Mr. Olson from, you know, from Little House on the Prairie. Probably yeah. a more modern than that, but my grandfather owned that general store in town that everybody came to. And my grandmother was the postmaster. Let me add this: wow. before she had the right to vote. My mother was the postmaster general in that town that my grandfather owned the store. So my grandmother was a professional wow. and before she had, you know, before society honored her. And I think that they gave my mother the strength 
to pursue her dreams. And my father, by contrast, pursued his dreams because he was afraid to be stuck in the tobacco farm life. Mm. And so the two of them, I think, related on that. And they moved. My father was in the military and they had the chance to move uh, to Hawaii. And then they came back and they moved in different places. So what I learned from my grandmothers, one by example and one not by example, was to pursue your dreams and to take to to take stock in what you believe in and dedicate yourself to that. So if it is to move away from your family, which is what I did, you know, I didn't stay in Tennessee and my siblings did. And so it's it, it's to not feel guilty or this family obligation to be in a place that doesn't make you happy. And so that's what I learned from them through my parents. Isn't it interesting that you're similar to not only your mother, but your grandmother, mm-hmm. that Martha. kind of, that kind of generational influence is mm-hmm. fascinating to and me. Let me. And let me say, and I know this is a mother's day special, but let me, this is in honor of my grandmother. And let me brag on my father for a second, because I always thought this was so charming. not the word. I thought it was so impressive. My father never once referred to my mother's parents as anything but Miss Martha or Mr. Fred. He, ne- he always showed respect. And I mm. always just found that so incredible because n- nobody else was doing that. So when I think of my grandmother, my mother's mother was named Martha, I think of Miss Martha mm. because my father um, was very strict about respect. And so, and that's something that, yeah, it, 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 it's something that kids pick up on. So it's worth as parents to think about that. Uh, as you're addressing grandparents or great grandparents in front of your young children, because they pick up, I I mean, I never said anything, you know, so they didn't know Mm -hmm. I was paying attention, but I always loved when we visited to hear my father address them that way. That is so Southern gentlemen. It's so Southern gentlemen. I love it. (laughs) I love that. Well, my grandmother's uh, DC, Dorothy Constance. And so her nickname was DC. And then my cousin was born first and called her Dee Dee. So Dee Dee was very close to all of us, um, to me and my brother and my cousin Casey. And um, whew, I can't hardly say her name without crying because we still miss her so much. Yeah, Dee But Dee Dee, uh, I think most of all, taught me to do it yourself. She's a do it yourself woman. Okay. And this is our family's very favorite story about Dee Dee. Although there are a million like this, this is the biggest big fish Dee Dee story. So she raised her family in Florida. Um, She uh, got divorced when my mom was in high school, which it was very rare back then going through a divorce. Um, She had three daughters and was still, you know, taking care of business and taking care of everything. And she decided in Florida, this is just too hot. I really wish I had a swimming pool. And then she looked into it and she's like, well, I can't afford a swimming pool. You know, I'm single mom, still paying for everything. Can't afford a swimming pool. She's like, you know what? I'm going to build it. My grandmother <laughs> built herself a swimming pool. At a girl. She dug it with her own hands and her own shovel. And by helping out a neighbor who had this kind of, you know, equipment, uh, construction equipment. She, you know, did him a favor and recovered his furniture for him. So he let her borrow this and she, she elicited her network to help her out. But that woman dug a hole in the back of her yard 
and poured her own dang cement. She that is great. It. She figured it out. She figured out how to coat the cement, how to paint it, how to put it all together by herself. Wow. And guess what? She had a swimming pool and she was in it every day. That a girl. I yeah. love that. Isn't love that, that story. Phenomenal. And I remember growing up going to her house and we were always in the swimming pool. And in Florida, that's year round, right? Let's let's yeah. be honest. It's 12 months out of the year that you can go swimming in Florida. And so it's just something that has always stuck with everyone in our family is that, you know, we've talked about it on the frenzy before. No one's coming to save you. That's right. <laughs> you want something done, yeah. then you find the way to go do it. And That's right. that improved her life so much. She enjoyed it. She loved it. She was proud of it. She took care of it. And she and deserved it. it. That's it wasn't a burden. It and was you, not a burden. Her her going yes. outside to, you know, do the chemicals and measure this on the water, make sure it was perfectly crystal blue and crystal clear was a joy for her because from the ground up day after day, she believed she wanted it. She desired it. And she went out and did it herself. She did it. She appreciated it. And that's the thing too, is like, she, she knew she deserved a pool and mm -hmm. she was going to find a way for her to get a pool. And that's like you said, nobody's going to say, if you feel like you deserve something, then give it to yourself. Why not give it to yourself and find a way? Cause yeah. a gift, you know, it's, it's kind of like, don't be embarrassed to throw your own birthday party. Yeah. You know, for a yes. long time, I never, I never thought it was okay to throw my own birthday party. And then like, well, shit, yes, I'm going to throw my own birthday party because I want a birthday party. So yeah, I want to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that's always, the whole thing has just always stuck with me that she didn't just spend beyond her means, right? It wasn't like, uh, um, a flippant desire and she went into some crazy amount of debt. It's like, she just figured out a way to do it. I love that's it. hard work. If you've ever shoveled, that's hard work. Yes. So, uh, so how are you just like your mom? Let's go back to moms. And okay. how are you different? How are you like Nan? And how are you not like her? Okay. Let's see. I think I am like her in the way that I am optimistic. My mom has a sunny disposition and I'm very glad that she gave that to me because I do feel like I wake up every day pretty optimistic or I'll look at a situation op optimistically and I owe that to my mom. I am different and this is not a good thing because I can be critical. I can be very critical of others and critical of myself. And my mom is not that way. My mom is very loving and accepting of everyone. She's very selfless and I'm more perfectionistic. And that makes me critical because I'm, I am that way internally to myself and I have a high expectation of others. And, um, I try to get better at that. See, I like the vulnerability. I mean, you're human, right? You're human. Yeah. And that could, can't be a little bit of your father's influence because like you said he was a stickler for things so yes i'm um, definitely half and half <laughs> yeah um i think the How way about you i'm like millie pete in no frills i'm a no frills oh, girl yeah. i don't i don't like complaining i don't like drama if you want to do drama around me i can't do it like mm -hmm. it has to be constructive like i am no frills i'm also an easy girlfriend i really don't expect a lot i just expect compassion and kindness and consideration and respect of my time. Like I don't, I, I just, I'm just no frills, just like Millie Pete. I think the way I'm not like Millie Pete. Um, and I, I don't know if I've shared this on the show, but I, 
recently was going through some old books and old scrapbooks and there in it was an email from her that I'd saved that said, um, do what you love and hire out the rest. Hmm. And I didn't follow that advice when she gave it to me. I don't know why, but, uh, but I took that clipping and I put it in my closet just to remind me. So I think the the way I'm different from her, she did everything. She cooked and mm-hmm. she cleaned and she picked up the kids and she was responsible for the kids and she did everything. She, I mean, three homemade meals a day. Like it was, she worked her butt off in the kitchen and she made clothes when we were young. So in elementary school, there were clothes that she had made some of the shorts and the shirts that she made. She loved doing patterns and stuff. So she did everything. And I think that as she got older and wiser, because when she sent me that email, she was older. She's probably in her sixties, seventies at the time. And so I live by her example. So it's, I'm different than her through her, which is, I don't have to, you know, we've talked on the show before, like I, I've had housekeepers since our conversation now that I'm vaccinated. Um, so I'm no longer cleaning my own house and yes. I have looked into, yes, la- girl. I've looked into laundry services and I've looked yes. into, I mean, I don't want to do it. And if I don't want, I, I don't need to do everything and I don't want to do everything anymore. I don't have anything to prove. Um, and so that's how I'm not like her as a younger, as a, as a mother of a younger kid, but it's through her example that I learned to not be like her. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like it's, a, it's a, like with Mr. I don't want Mr. Carter to be like me. I want him to be better than me. Mm-hmm. And I think that mom wanted the same thing. Okay. Ready for the next question? This one is going to be a challenge. <sighs> and for our friends listening to the frenzy, I want you to answer this about yourself as well. Okay. What kind of mom are you? And what kind of mom do you strive to be? It goes back to, and no disrespect to Katie, the, what I'm about to describe, because, you know, Katie listens and, and she knows, and, and we have a great relationship as, you know, partners in crime with our son. And um, we respect each other's mothers. And one of our agreements was to never criticize the other, you know, mothering skills, because that's the core of who we are. So like, you know, it's, it's hands off of criticizing that part of our lives and we've stopped criticizing the other parts. I mean, we, every now and again, we get in a little tiff, but it's never about being a mother, but I will say that the mother I am is going back to what I said earlier, which is I pay attention to Mr. Carter. I just watch him. I have no expectations of him beyond who he is. I'm not trying to make him into me. My interests, I do not push upon him. My desires, I do not push upon him. I simply follow his lead. That's what I do. And I think that Katie and I have conversations about that because I don't, it's not necessarily Katie's style of parenting, but I, I am the mother who I have to, I'm trying to learn the tools in his toolbox. And then it's my job to get better tools of the same kind to make sure that his toolbox, he can use that toolbox to it's to the best of his ability. I don't want him to be like any other kid. And I don't care what other people think about him. I know that nobody loves him as much as Katie and I do. I mean, nobody, nobody gives a shit about your kids other than you. So uh, all the people, <laughs> all the people who post about their kids on social media, you know, it's wonderful. And I, I love that, but don't get fooled into thinking anybody feels the same way about your kid as you do. They don't think they're as beautiful as you do. They don't think they're as talented as you do or smart as you do. And that's okay. That's your job as a mom is to, again, pay attention. What kind of mom do I strive to be? A far more patient mom. 
I, I have a short fuse and I try my best not to let Mr. Carter see it, but he has seen it. Cause I mean, I do think that fear is a useful tool in parenting. And I, I'm certainly not the parent who thinks that a discipline of a child is not important. <laughs> I do, mm-hmm. but I, you know, and I came from the paddling pick your switch kind of family yeah. and the, with loud voices and a lot of banging and, you know, and so I think each generation tries to polish that into something a little better. So I, what mm-hmm. mom do I strive to be is somebody that he sees as a rock, a, a, an emotionally stable rock instead of somebody who is on the verge of losing her temper all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. afraid I'm not there yet, but that's, that's how I'd answer that question. So what mm-hmm. mom, what, what kind of mom are you and what mom do you strive to be? I think I'm a work in progress mom, you know, like you were saying, I try to get better at it every day, but I will say, I think I am a empathetic mom. So I feel like I try to get to the root of what's going on with my kids rather than just in times of conflict or strife or difficulty, uh, just treating the situation or the behavior So I feel like, especially in the last year through this pandemic and everything else that I've tried my best to be the empathetic mom and say things like, I can see that you are feeling very disappointed and let's talk about the root of it. And so that's where I feel like I'm still a work in progress, but I feel confident in my parenting skills because I show that empathy. And my husband has said to me several times in difficult moments with our kids, (laughs) because they're still young, they're eight and five. And so He'll say, I'm trying to channel you like, or he'll say channel Jen, channel Jen, channel. And I'm like, oh, good. That means that I am at least providing enough of an example of empathy and patience that he can try to follow it Mm -hmm. because I don't want a household of yelling. I don't think anybody likes to be yelled at. I don't like to be yelled at. So I don't want to yell at my kids. Sometimes raising your voice is what we go to, right? That's this instinctual or learned behavior that we immediately go to yelling because we're going to get their attention and like make them shape up, shape up and, you know, ship up or what, what's the thing? Shape up or ship out. Shape up or ship out, right? (laughs) Like we're going to, we're going to lay down the law, but I'm really um, trying to be an example of patience and empathy and working through the root of what's going on versus being quick to do that. So I feel like that's the, the part that I'm getting better at and I feel confident in. And I want to say, I want to jump in real quick because I mentioned Katie Joe a minute ago. Like, um, you know, when you talk about you and your husband and in the same house raising your child, you know, Katie and I are doing this solo in two mm. different homes. But I can't imagine that other, challenge. It's, you know, and I mentioned earlier about how we don't argue about mother or mothering, but we come from two different perspectives mm-hmm. on how to mother him. Mm-hmm. And I will say it is such a relief to be in a relationship, even though we're not together and we're not romantic and we're not in love with each other anymore, but to be in a situation where I don't worry about him when he's with her, mm-hmm. because even though we're two different parents, I, my hope for my son is to be the hybrid of the two of us. Mm. I don't want him to be me. I don't want him to be her. I want him to take the elements of the best of the both of us, which I think is what parenting is. The goal, I think, is for the child to take the best of you and to move forward with it and to keep it evolving. Mm-hmm. 
and to be able to shave off the party, you know, like with our parents, there's things we didn't agree with our parents. Millie Pete, it was not a saint. Um, but what I focus on and what I remember about her and what I, you know, is the good stuff is the things that I did admire about her. And I just kind of slough off the stuff that, you know, I dismiss it to, you know, she, mm -hmm. she did the best she could and she did better than her parents probably did in certain areas because that's how we evolve. Right. So yeah, I have to give credit because I'm in a two mother household and my son, so mother's day for my son is going to be a big event. And yeah, so it's nice that he is with two mothers who have dedicated themselves. And again, two older mothers. That's the thing. We're both over mm -hmm. 40. And I think that hopefully he will benefit from that because it is, we we both do our best by him, which 10, 15, 20 years ago, I don't think we could have said the same thing. See, but these are the kind of conversations that we have here on The Frenzy. Yeah. It's about real stories connecting real women. There's enough out there to tell you who you should be, who you should have been, who you ought to be in the future. You know, we're just about being real with what's going on in our lives right now in this moment so that we can connect with you and so that you know you're not alone. You're not. We're in this together. And that's what the frenzy is all about. So at this time, I would like to say we'd like to dedicate this episode of the frenzy to Mildred Carter. <laughs> who passed at the age of 91 in 2020. Yeah. On we her wished, birthday, which I thought was very cool. On her birthday, cool. which is yeah. so cool. She came in and came out on the same day. The same day. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, we wish that she were here with us on this Mother's Day, but we know that we will meet her again, and I look forward to the day that she gets to welcome us home. Me too. So, if we can... Let's switch gears for our yes. pet talk for yes. this week. No, because... let's laugh a little bit. We've been crying all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We think we've got uh, a way to end yes. our Mother's Day episode on a high note and just let you relax and let go of some of this guilt, right? Yes. So, yeah, we talked about how our, uh, the influence of our mothers on us and how, what kind of mothers we want to be. But like I mentioned, you know, Millipede had an incredible amount of mom guilt. I'm sure most of our mothers did and do, but I know that you do as a current mother. I know that you mm -hmm. feel alone in this and you feel, especially on social media, when everybody's posting these wonderful pictures of their families and everything is great, but they're not showing <laughs> you the behind the scenes of getting those kids dressed or getting that, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so everybody's got some mom guilt. So we're going, we're going to alleviate that right now because you're doing great compared to what you had to do when you were a kid. Yeah. So your mirror mantra for this week is drop the mom guilt, just let it go. And here's why. Because <laughs> back in the day, being a mom versus today being a mom <laughs> is a whole different ball game. Yes. Melissa, let's share some examples. Sure. So Millie Pete had a big, well, and dad too, but they had this big pole with a bell on the top of it. Hmm. And so when I got home from school, it was bye, Felicia go play in the neighborhood with the neighborhood mm. kids. I was on a bike all the time. I was walking and I was by myself. I didn't have a sibling and I was like going to however far to get to my friend's house by myself and don't yeah. come home until we ring the bell, which was about the same time as the street lights going out. But we, I, yeah. when I'd hear the bell ring, it was dinner time. So between school and dinner, I was on my own and there was no, my mother and father were not outside mm. looking to see where I was. Yeah. I was gone. They That's were it. not carpooling you to 15 different activities. No, no. no. They said, get outside. Bye. 
Get outside. Bye. That's and, it. And, and you're look, on your own. Nobody and, was watching me. And now, I didn't have a cell phone. Now, today, Melissa Carter, as a, a mother, would you ever? No. Just send your son out the front door and say, come back when I ring the bell. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, you talk about all these activities. We structure those activities so that he's with other kids in a structured environment with with <laughs> with adult supervision. No. At all times. At, At all, all times. times. Okay. All times. So here we go. Back in the day versus uh, versus now. <laughs> Back in the day, my parents had a big conversion van and it was Florida State Seminole colors. I'll never forget. Garnet and gold van. Huge. The back of it would flop down like a bed. You know what we did on road trips? My parents said, get in the back. And we drove five and a half hours <laughs> while we played. We built forts. We crawled all around. We just did you ever say, well, I'm sorry. Did you have a seatbelt on? No seatbelt. <laughs> and now my kids got to have an 18 point harness and strapped in like they're going on a damn roller coaster in order to drive down the street. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay. Yes. So back then it was way easier to be a parent than it is now. You got I another just, one? Just to tag on that really quickly. Yeah. So I was sitting in the front seat without a seatbelt on yes! four years old. While they're smoking son, cigarettes with the windows yeah, up. My son still, <laughs> like you said, in the back, strapped in probably till he's eight. Yes. And I'm like, no, I was I was already in the front seat, probably he leaning. He didn't even like reach his own knees. He's yes. so strapped in. <laughs> and it probably like leaning into the dashboard, looking up at the sky. Those, yeah. He's trapped. He's like, yeah. mom. I must only look forward, shoulders back. Ah! Exactly. Yeah, in, in like a NASCAR seat with the, yes. with the things on the side. I, that's uh, next. In the next generation, they're going to have to wear helmets in the car. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. So Back yeah, then versus back now. Then, back then, uh, my son is six years old. And back then, when I was six years old, I, one of my jobs was to clean out the ashtrays of my parents. So I was working <laughs> with ash and tobacco. And even when my parents were smoking, there would be the haze of the smoke the in the air smoke. and i would run through it just to see it curl and swirl so you talk about secondhand smoke i was live i was swimming in it yeah oh yeah that and today normal. i don't i have air filters in every room in the house yeah. because i'm concerned about the pet dander <laughs> like the pet dander gonna kill him yes you, you grew up with the grew up with secondhand smoke just i mean I, I smelled like yes and i bet if i blew my nose there would be there'd be gray Come on, Mel. You got the filters in your house. And at night, I've got to, I've got essential oil diffusers <laughs> in my kids' rooms. And I got to choose what their mood is and what essential oil is going to soothe <laughs> them to sleep. Will it be lavender or thieves? Or will it be the root of a, you know, squawking hawk that will, you know, make them? I, what are we doing? <laughs> I have to pick an essential oil for their mood before they go to bed yeah, at I, night. What? I, I didn't realize we were customizing the essential oils. And shut off the light and said, good luck with the monster in the closet. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we make it so much harder on ourselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so drop the mom guilt. <laughs> drop the mom guilt. I have another one. Do you have another one? Go. Yes. Right. Go. I want to hear it. So when I was my son's age, I was living on a diet of McDonald's, Pizza Hut, 
and Captain D's. Captain D's and Shoney's <laughs> after church was the big delight. But now, you know, things are gluten free and there's plenty of fruits oh, and vegetables mm, and, you know, yes. and, and some low FODMAP stuff. And, you know, yes. And it I better not have red dye in it. It better right. not have uh, sugar, <laughs> exactly. sucrose, fructose, glucose. All those are nasty words. Exactly. You know, and I, and I, re- and I remember when the, t- <laughs> I was old enough and, and a lot of our listeners old enough to remember when the two liter Coke bottles, they first were glass. And then it was a big revolutionary thing for them to become in the big plastic things. And the commercial was that you dropped the two, you dropped it and it bounced off the floor, unlike the glass that would shatter. Oh, so right. I would just drop it, it and drop it. But I, makes yeah, healthy. I, that makes so yeah, it healthy and for was, you. <laughs> and, and Diet Coke didn't come out until I was in high school. So I was raised on full Coke. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Yeah. All these things. That's what my family would have called it. Coca-Cola. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And we've got to worry about. (laughs) It's a special occasion if my son ever gets a Coke and it's usually at his grandmother's house. Yeah. Our kids are allowed to have like purified organic milk (laughs) that comes from the goats in the Swiss Alps. And they are only allowed to have the most purified water that's not only been filtered before it got in, then it gets filtered again before it gets into their their precious water bottles, you know, and God forbid if you serve it to them in plastic, then you're going to hell. Well, and the grass and it has to be grass fed cows for the milk. Duh. I mean, what else could it be? And it can't be whole milk. Oh, Melissa. That's just offensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you subscribe to the Frenzy yet, listen to everything we've shared with you. These are real stories by real women. And we would love for you to subscribe if this is your first time listening to us. And we'd also like you to leave a review because unfortunately we don't get to have you call us. We can't, we can't have a line for you to call we us wish. and talk to us. I wish, but a review is the best way for us to understand what you like about us and what you'd like to see different about us. Uh, you can also sign up for our weekly email. Because we will send the new episode to you every single Monday when it's uh, fresh, ready to go. I don't know if the kids say this is dropping on Mondays. Uh, but we'll on send, Monday. We'll, we'll send it to you straight to your inbox. And we promise not to bug the crap out of you. It's just that one email per week to catch you up on what's going on. All you got to do is subscribe at thefrenzy.com. If there is a friend of yours you think would enjoy this episode, please share this with her. Plus, we'd love for you to check out our brand new YouTube channel. It's live with videos and extended interviews. If you like the show, you could also share about it on your social media. Tag us at The Frenzy, and that way we can share it as well. That's right. And we'd like to thank listeners who have subscribed to our email list at thefrenzy.com. They are Melanie Zimmerman. Jen Hopkins and Candace Mayo. They did not know, or they didn't solicit, or rather for us to do that. They don't know that we're calling them out uh, because we pay attention. So we want to thank Melanie, Jen, and Candace. We appreciate it. Soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. And the Frenzy podcast is produced by Bo Johnson. The Frenzy's graphic design is by Helen Vickers and web design by Caden Jacobs. These are real stories by real women. We're sitting right in front of you, bearing ourselves to you each and every week and enjoying every minute of it. So thank you so much for your time, because we know that there is a lot of demands on it. So the fact that you are hanging out with me and Melissa each week just means the world to us. So go share your stories with the world. Until next week, trust your gut, share your story, and... Stop lying about your age! Yay! <laughs> we'll see you next week.